everybody. Welcome to the Unleashed and Unstoppable podcast. My name is Todd Pierce, And my name is Dean Martin. And look, this is our first ever podcast. Um, we've had people in our ear for quite some time talking about um, us getting together and actually putting together a, a podcast or some kind of thing where we talk about mindset, where we talk about personal growth, where we talk about business, all the good stuff like that. So here we are, and this is the first episode mm. I'm excited, are you? I, yeah, man. Like, uh, hopefully this is all set up right. By the way, for those that happen to watch this um, this chaotic thing that this will unfurl to be, I don't even know what's going to happen, right? I don't even know if the, the sound's working properly, but hopefully it is. Um, <laughs> but look, today, to kind of kick things off and um, do our first ever episode, what we're going to talk about is, is something that Alpha Omega is all about, right? Alpha Omega means to start and the end, right? The mm. beginning and the end, the start and the finish, the be all and the end all. And, and Alpha Omega really means that your personal growth, your personal development, your success, everything starts and ends with you, which is what it's all about, really. For people that wonder what the name is all about, right? It starts and finishes with you. Everything you want in life you can have, but it starts and it finishes with you. What you're prepared mm. to do, what you're prepared to tolerate, and the action you're prepared to take. So this episode, what we want to talk about is we want to talk about mindset because, um, you know, if Dean kind of shows you the back of his shirt, what you'll see, <laughs> mindset is everything. And hopefully you can see that, but that's kind of our thing, right? Mindset is everything. And, you know, I've seen some people uh, of recent times kind of saying that mindset doesn't mean nothing. And for me, that's just absolutely ridiculous because your mindset is is not just what you do, but it's it's how you do it, right? Like you can have two different people doing a similar activity. Now, if one has a positive, empowered mindset, the action that they take, the way that they communicate, the way that they do whatever they're going to do is going to be exceedingly better than someone that's got a negative, twisted, warped mindset, right? Someone that thinks that the world's against them, someone that's a blamer, a victim, or has a sense of entitlement. So mindset's everything. And that's what this episode here is about. So this episode is called how to create an unstoppable mindset. So let's get into this. So Dino, mate, we've been doing this now for quite some time. Obviously, we've, we've in this year alone, we've had, geez, how many people? We've had hundreds of people come through our one-day events and, and everything like that. Two-day events, everything, yeah, it's been exciting. It's been yeah, a big year. it has, man. It really has. 2019 for us, by the way, has really been a year of, of creating a nice solid foundation. Myself, I've been involved in coaching for a decade now. For those that don't know, NLP training, NLP coaching, positive psychology, hypnosis, all that good stuff. And, you know, Dean and I, we've known each other for donkey zonks now too. <laughs> and and we, we, we got together, right, um, at the start of the year, 2019, or before that, it was like 2018, right? Mm. And we kind of thought, geez, we, we wanted to get into the personal growth space again more fully and create some sort of authenticity, I think yep. it was. Like for me, that's a really big thing. Yep. Like there's a lot of people out there today, I feel, that are on stages preaching to acquire. They're, 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 they're selling this whole thing that they themselves don't even do. And I feel like the whole space mm. is lacks integrity. It lacks authenticity. It's a massive fucking pitch fest. Yeah. And, like, people are sick of it. Like, I don't know for you watching this, right? Like, I don't know if you're sick of it, but, like, I can't stand when people suck you in with, the, you know, curiosity and whatever they do, and then, like, you, you sit there and they don't give you anything and they expect you to buy something. It's just yeah. like, please, get up the damn stage, mate. Go mm -hmm. home, clean up your room before you try to fucking fix the world. So, look, that's our whole thing, and we started that back in 2018, really just focusing and saying, what do we want to do? Like, what do we want to bring to the market? Because if you're a 
you know, in business yourself or thinking about getting into business when you're watching this here, like one of the first steps that you have to get in, you have to kind of look at when, when you're looking at starting a business or you're looking at, you know, coming into a space is you have to go, well, well who am I? Who am I going to serve? And how the damn hell am I going to serve them? And how can I bloody well serve them in a different way to everybody else in a way that actually brings value to the market? Because at the end of the day, look, you're paid based on the value you bring. And like, that's what we kind of created. And we've created a really nice structure where we can bring people in to our world, right? And our world's relatively, I don't know, it's not too crazy. No, not really. It's lots of swear words, lots of swearing. Which we've toned down a lot. Lots, yeah. Yes. No, 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 no C-bombs for quite a while. Um, <laughs> but once again, it's about being real. Like I'm, I am rough around the edges and like I don't yeah. feel any need to curb that much, right? Sometimes I do. If I speak to kids then I obviously curb it a little bit but like you have to be real like you have to be you so we've, we've put together these awesome events and like we've had hundreds and hundreds of people come through right and we've chat to people and we've heard what's going on in their mm. lives and like we've seen them have massive transformations in our unleashed and unstoppable one day free event that we run and like it's a common thing right like people genuinely are stuck and they yeah. genuinely have it's almost like they've forgotten how to be happy they've they've mm. It's like, you know, you'll probably agree with this, right, if you're watching or listening to this. Like sometimes like life can be absolutely brutal sometimes. Sometimes it completely throw you a curveball and and like when that happens, right, like one of two things is going to happen. Number one, you're already going to have all the coping systems and mechanisms inside to deal with that situation there and then. Or number two it's really going to knock you for a 20, right? It's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kind of derail you. It's going to have you, you know, um, become reclusive sometimes, have you shut off to the world, and have you changed your emotions, changed the way that you, you communicate with people around you. And ultimately, if you don't break that pattern of, you know, reclusiveness, of, of I guess, negativity that can happen when, when things go really wrong, what happens is you can get into a really, really negative spin where life just perpetually becomes bad. And we've seen this now, like I said, hundreds and hundreds of people this year alone coming through our events. So that's why we wanted to kind of do this, this, this first episode focusing on how to develop an unstoppable mindset. And like, I don't know about Dean, but like for me personally, when I think about like my journey here and even right now just sitting here like talking to you and listening, talking to you, you're watching me or whatever it might be, all the different mediums that we're kind of doing this thing on and hopefully the damn thing's recording. I don't even know if it is. But well, it would be interesting if it's not. <laughs> we can live in hope, right? <laughs> but like, you know, where I, where I sit right now, I'm 29 years of age, I'm just about 30 and like my life has been anything but calm. It's been absolutely chaotic mm. and you know my, you know my story, mate. And yeah. Well, what is, let's just start with there. What has your backstory back been to lead to this spot that we're at at the moment that brought you basically in my, my focus to create what we've created? Yeah, good question. Um, I suppose what brought me right here, right, and, and, and like this is, this is just for me personally, like I had absolutely no intention to want to help anybody. To be completely honest, if you're listening to this right now, if you're watching this right now, take me back to when I was in my teens. I, I didn't like people, dude. Like I really didn't. I did not like people. I couldn't stand people. I wanted to be by myself. Um, I didn't trust people. But once again, that, that kind of came from my upbringing, mm-hmm. right? Like I was, when I was young, I was diagnosed with ADHD 
and, you know, like five years old, I was chucked on Ritalin, I was chucked on Cataprist, and then I was chucked on Dexamphetamines. I was basically a walking drug That's lab. Yeah, man. And walking like, pharmacy. Dude, and, like, it sucks. Like, it really fucking does suck. And for those that don't know, like, when you're, when you're like, seven years old and you're in year one, year two, and, like, you have to leave the classroom to go up to the office to get your medication – and like, you know, all the other kids, they watch you. They're like, well, why is this, where's he going? Mm. And, you know, then you come back and like, when you come back, you don't feel good, right? Like mm. Ritalin makes you focus supposedly, right? It's basically prescription speed. And Cataprus is like the flip side of the coin. It's like these fucking doctors. Oh, I'm going to go on a tangent, but fuck it, here we go. But like, <laughs> it's like these fucking doctors. They're like, Here, hey, hey, Larry, I've got a great idea, mate. How about we give the kids some speed, Right. And then Larry's like, hang on a second, mate. They're going to get a bit fucking hyperactive if you do that. Isn't that the problem they already have? You're right, mate. Let's give them something else to calm them back down. And it was basically this thing, right? It was Ritalin and Cataprus. And like, have you ever had any of that before? No, I haven't had any of that. Okay. But it sounds interesting. It sounds like a roller coaster. Dude, well, the way you feel, and like if you've been diagnosed with ADHD or you've had this stuff yourself, you'll relate complete with me right now when I say this. Like you feel like a zombie. Like that's how you feel. That's how I felt. I'd go to the office three times a day, in the morning, at lunch, and then in the afternoon. And I'd be taking like three or four pills every single time. And when I'd come back, like they say it makes you focus, but I couldn't fucking focus. I was just sitting there like numb, like a zombie. And like kids are cruel. And like when, you, when, you, when you're in that situation, they exclude you. They don't want to hang around with you. And like people see me now and they go, oh, you know, he's charming, he can speak, he's got all these things, he's had success and all this bullshit, right? And they go, he must have all that because he's, you know, he's a handsome Brewster or whatever they hey. want to say. Whatever bullshit, man. Like, and I've heard it all, right? They go, oh, it's because you can speak well. It's because you look good. It's because you're fit. It's because you're a big guy. Well, no. Like, I haven't been this. Mm. I haven't always had friends. Like, I was the opposite growing up. And, like, growing up was tough, where they call you a freak, when they don't want to hang around with you, when they don't play with you and you have to play by yourself and you get yeah. angry. And I did anger really good, right? I feel like kids will go one or two ways. They're either going to go down the anger path or they're going to go through down like the depressed path. Mm. And like for me as a male, males are naturally more aggressive. I think the ratio is 60-40. So if you had 10, 10, 10 people in a room, 60% of the room are going to be males, going to be more aggressive, and then 40% of the females are going to be more aggressive. But um, that's enough to create like quite a – like a, you can you can kind of say, hey, yeah, men are more aggressive in that respect. But like I went down the anger route because it was easier to feel anger than it was to feel hurt or depressed. And like that's how you kind of get yourself labeled as like the angry kid. And I was that. And I was furious. And, you know, even as I stand here like reflecting right now, like, you know, and mum, if you're watching this, then, you know, apologies. But like I wanted to feel loved. Mm. And, like, I know that my mother loves me. Get me right. Like, I, I know that she loves me. However, just because someone thinks that they're displaying or expressing love, that doesn't mean that that's the thing that's being felt. Mm. And, like, I feel like any kid that's, like, being disruptive and running amok and doing that kind of thing, attention equals love, right? And the one thing that you want growing up as a kid is love. And, like, I feel like there's two ways to get attention, right? You can get positive attention or you can get negative attention, Right. And if you do some good things, like you bring home a nice drawing and you're like, here, look at this nice drawing that I did. And they just kind of ignore it. Oh, that's good. Yep. Blah, blah, blah. At some point, it's like, well, fuck, they're not giving me attention this way. Um, I'm going to break something. Right. Yeah. And then I break something and I instantly get attention. 
right? And in a kid's mind, just in case you don't know, there's no difference between good or bad attention, right? If you're giving them attention, attention equals love and love is the one thing that we want. But that was kind of for me and like, Growing up was tough like that. I was excluded from things. I was never allowed to go out and actually get involved with people. And like, I was never allowed to go on excursions. It, it, it was shit, right? Like my stepdad was a fucking tyrant. I was always fucking grounded. I was always in my room. I'd do something wrong. I'd step out of line. And then like all my privileges are gone. Mm. And sometimes I was grounded for months and months and months and months and months. And like, I'd say to my mum, I'd be like, fuck, what am I grounded for? And she'd be like, I don't even remember. I was this grounded, right? And grounding meant being in my room. When I wake up, I come and have breakfast, I go back to my room, then I'm in my room until I go to school, I go to school, I come back. It was like it was prepping me for jail. Yeah. And what happened with that? Did- well, what happened was I, I ended up running away from home, as you can imagine, right? How long's yeah. a piece of string? Oh. <laughs> and I, run off, I went away from home when I was 11, and, like, that's where things got interesting. See, you know, it is what it is, but... Growing up, my mum and dad's relationship wasn't the best. Um, she definitely attacked him and, you know, he was absent and it was like this back and forth thing, yeah? And um, I lived with him for a bit and then I'd be back with mum and it was just this, this, there was never any structure. And by the way, like kids crave structure and if you can't give your kids some fucking structure, then you're definitely giving them a disservice. Mm. But there's no structure, there's no certainty growing up and then you mix that with having everything taken away from you and never having any freedom. That's when I ran away when I was 11. And I remember it so clearly, like I was grounded. It was a hot day. I was outside doing um, work in the backyard and my stepdad was making me just like work and work and work and work and work, right? And it was so hot and he was making me dig up pavers and stuff like that and do this because they were uh, doing renovations in the backyard. And um, it was so hot and he came out, he goes, why aren't you working? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm working. And he's like, you're not working hard enough. And I'm like, fuck you. And I'm 11, right? And and like he's a he's a big Maori man, and um, and I'm like fuck you, and he's like what'd you say? And I'm like fuck you, and then it hit me what I did, right? I'm like oh shit, it's time to bail, and I'm like run past him, and I've run into the house, I've slammed the door behind me, and he's chasing me, right? He's chasing me, and I've run to my room, I've locked the door, I've grabbed a little bag, and I've like took some clothes in it and then like my window opened up like that. I've opened up the window, I've jumped into the garden, he's broken down the door, he's come into my room and I'm gone, right? I'm already outside and I'm like, fuck you! And I've run outside and I've run, I've got my push bike, right? And I've, I've, I've got on my fucking bike, I've got my bag and I'm gone. I've gone out the driveway and I'm riding up the street and as I'm going up the street, I look back and it was really, really funny. Like I, I, I'm only thinking about this right now, but a massive part of me wanted my mum and my stepdad to want me to stay, right? And it's, it's, it's not embarrassing to say that, but it's kind of like, you know, heal the child and the man will appear. Yeah. Oh, it's only natural, right? <laughs> I've, I've, I've healed the child. That child's pretty good right now. But, um, but yeah, like I look back and um, from memory, my mum's like, you'll come back. And I'm like, fuck you all. And I just, I, I, like, I did not come back, obviously, right? And she's like, we'll be here when you get back. And when you get back, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> yep. So I didn't go back. So I was not going to be and have a bar of whatever was going to be waiting for me back there. And I just kept riding. I kept riding and riding and riding. I'm 11 years old and I rode from, uh, for those that don't know, Brisbane in, in Australia. I rode from one side, the south side of Brisbane, all the way up towards the city, which is like in a car, it would take maybe, you know, 30, 30 minutes, 30 odd minutes, mm. this distance. And I'm just on a bike and I'm riding. I didn't really know where I was going. I was just riding and I ended up going from, from Elgester, Logan area out to um, just near the city. So like Green Slopes, 
like I must have remembered that my my dad kind of lived there and I hadn't spoken to him for ages, right? Like I had a lot of bad stuff put into my head from my mum about who my dad was and everything like that. And um, I didn't really like him. I really didn't like him at that point there. I'll say like my mind was poisoned to him. Um, and I kind of, you know, went and I found a park bench and I remember I was like, I was like stealing from, from I can't remember, I was, like, I was like stealing something from like a, a petrol station or something. And I somehow, I can't remember what it was, but somehow my, my auntie found me, right? My auntie on my dad's side. And she's like, oh, Todd. And like my auntie's so loving, yeah. She's the most loving lady. And she gave me love and it broke me down because I had this really, really like hard facade on, right? Like I had a mask on that was tough. It was like conditioned to the world. It was like, fuck you, like... That was like the mask that I was wearing. And it's funny because even the most tough mask can be broken down by love. Mm. And my auntie just came in and she sent me so much love and she wanted me. And it broke me down. I trusted her, put the bike in the back and, and she took me back to her place. And um, she ended up, you know, calling my dad. And like for me, I'm like there and I'm just receiving love and it's really, really nice with my uncle and my auntie. And um, then my dad walks in and I like lost my shit. I'm just like, I felt betrayed. I'm like, you dare call my dad, fuck you. And I was like, fuck you again. Like I was in an escape mode, man. And like, I just wanted to escape. So I've like, he's come in the front door and like, I've gone, fuck you. And I was like kicking, screaming, spitting. I was calling him every name under the sun just so that he would let me go. But he didn't. And you're 11 at this stage, right? I was 11-ish, yes. I mean, somewhere around there, man. And like we... Like I tried to push down. We like almost fell down the stairs together at my auntie's place and he did not let me go. You know, that's a man. That's a real man. Mm. He did not let me go. And like, yeah, that, that, that was it, man. Then I was with my dad and, and my dad's style of parenting I think was good for me, right? Some may disagree. But he was like, the first thing he did, right, he goes, you're not broken. You're not fucking sick. You're not fucking some little ADHD freak like you like they've they've said you are. Fuck this medication. He chucked it out. And my mum, he obviously contacted my mum and said, "Yeah, he's safe." Um, and she goes, "I'll bring over his medication." And my dad's like, "Don't even, don't even bother, right?" Which is the best thing because my dad did two things. Number one, he stopped the medication, which was obviously fantastic um, because I could finally think clearly. And he then did the next thing, which made me grow up which was he gave me responsibility. Yep. He said, you're going to pull your shit together, you're going to be a fucking man, and you're going to get yourself to school. I need to go to – my dad's the truck driver, right? He used to deliver Jiprock. He'd leave. He'd be up at 3.30 in the morning. He'd leave by like 4.30, and he won't get home until like, you know, 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So he gave me the responsibility to get up, to get my shit together, get to school, behave, and then get home, mm. right? And he never screamed – he never was was physical or anything like that, but God damn it, he did a disappointed, disappointed <laughs> demeanor really, really well. So and I'm, what, I'm not angry. No, I'm, I'm disappointed. disappointed. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm disappointed. Man. It's far worse, I feel. It was, man, because like he expected me to be better. And everybody yeah. else in my life up until that point had expected me to do wrong things, that yeah. expected me to, to be broken. Isn't that interesting though? Like if we're constantly going into things always portraying that something's always going to be wrong or something's broken and a lot of the times we start to take those behaviours on, right? 100%. You, 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 this is where you have to be careful, right? Like not just – you have to two, – two, two, two things I want to point out here, right? Number one, when it comes to dealing with people in your life and number two, how people then deal with you. So 
what you expect of somebody else tends to manifest, right? And they've done studies with this, right? They've done studies over in the UK um, where what they did was they, they, I don't know if it was the UK, it was the UK or the US, I can't remember. But anyway, they did these studies where they, they, they took these kids and they had substitute teachers in different semesters, right? One semester, one group, same group of kids, different teachers. So the in one semester, what they did was they said, look, these kids here, they're, they're special needs, they're not very smart, um, you know, you, you're going to have to just do your best with them, right? And like that semester, what happened was the kids all got like D's and F's and stuff like that. They got poor grades. Um, the next semester with this test that they were doing, right, this experiment, they had another teacher come in that hadn't been primed to expect that these kids weren't smart. They, they told them the opposite. They said, look, these kids are really bright. They're very smart. Um, you're going to struggle to keep up, but look, just do the best that you can. And that next semester, what do you think happened with all the kids? Well, they uh, picked up. They did. They got great grades, mm. right? Because the expectation going into it made them step up, right? Mm. And this is what's important. If you're expecting people in your life to let you down, guess what they're probably going to do? They're probably going to do it. If you're expecting someone not to be able to perform, they're probably yeah. going to do it. And it, it's not necessarily your overt communication that, that makes them uh, receive that right it's normally our subcommunication. so the little tones of our voice the way that we hold our body the way that we look at them sometimes we're dismissive and that that obviously makes that person manifest your expectation now not all the time right but this is a, a pretty accurate rule of thumb majority yeah yeah and then the other time what you need to be cautious of is like well what are other people expecting of me and you need to reject that consciously mm. right reject it consciously which means you need to, to develop some self-awareness you have to reject other people's expectations because if other people like, for this, for example, here's a simple example about using positive language from NLP. It's like, you know, instead of saying, if your kid misbehaves and like, you know, my son's almost two now, your son's almost six months. So we haven't gone yeah. through this personally ourselves. Um, but like, if you've got like a, a, a three-year-old who's being naughty, instead of saying, why are you always naughty? Which is, and you're, you're saying to them, you are always naughty. What mm. you say on, on, what you say instead is you go, you're, you're such a good boy. What are you being naughty right now for? Yeah. Much Sh more powerful. But, yeah, man, anyway, long story short, you know, he, he gave me responsibility and but I, and he also let me have free reign, right? Mm. Like so a, as a result, I started to hang around the wrong people. I started to get involved with drugs. I started to get involved and then, you know, one thing to the next, drugs led to crime. Crime led to more crime and more drugs and, you know, by the time I was I was sixteen, I was I was heavily involved with the drug scene, um, all the gangs and bullshit and just stupid, stupid stuff. I was smoking mm. crystal meth every single day, um, pills. Like I had a fake ID by the time I was sixteen and a half. Like I was just doing everything wrong. Um, but once again, it 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 taught me a lot of things young, mm. which is why when I when I meet people today, they're like, oh, "How old are you? Twenty nine. But I feel like I've lived a lifetime a few times. Certainly, yeah. Uh, you've got plenty of experience there anyway. You've but, had a pretty uh, pretty tough journey. Yeah, man. But like, you know, and it was, you know, the, the whole question was like, well, what brought me here? Mm. It's because I've been through all these fucking things. Like I've been shot at. I've almost been stabbed. I've been fucking beat up. I've, I've had all these things go wrong during my teens. Like I've been scared. I've been hurt. I've been like this resentful towards the world. Like when I was 17, I did something really, really bad, like horrendous when I was 17 and that landed me in prison and that could have been really, really bad mm. what happened there when I was 17. But I had this gangster persona and like 
once again, it was like me against the world. It's like, what are you doing looking at me? Like, fuck you. Like it was me versus you winner. There's a winner. There's a loser. And I'm going to be the winner. You're the loser. Like that was like who I was back then. And, and that attitude, that persona, that mindset, that belief, that almost cost me my life many multiple times. That almost landed me in prison when I was 17 for a long, long time. I was lucky. I only spent three months in prison when I was 17. I was about three to four months, something like that. And I got out, Mm. but I didn't get out because they, they let me out. I got out because of a chance occurrence where, you know, let's just say it was a chance occurrence, right? Okay. I was lucky. That was it because I could have done five to 10 years just from what I did when I was 17. So that was, that was kind of that. And then after that, what happened was, you know, I got out and I stopped drugs, which was great. Um, by the way, you know, uh, you're taking crystal meth, stop it, right? <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't do good for anybody, all right? No one. Say no to crack. And I'm not talking about the good crack, right? I'm saying bad crack. <laughs> Jesus, say no to crack. But, yeah, dude, I became a raging alcoholic. And um, then, you know, I was fighting because I still had so much anger and resentment in my heart. Mm. Like, even though I'd, I'd made a great life choice about drugs, it's like, fuck, I was just so angry and like I always, I felt betrayed by my parents. I felt like whether this was real or not real, that doesn't matter, right? Like this is how I felt and how you feel dictates what you do. So it, it's really important to be really aware of like your feelings and like we've all got stuff down there, right? We've all got stuff down there. See you've, you've dealt with your shit. Like we all got stuff down there, right? And um, I had a lot of stuff down there and every time I drank, it would come out. See, I was calm and cool as a cucumber when I was sober, but like- Couple of drinks down, boom. Right, alcohol's an accelerant, right? Man, a- alcohol just it brings out more of what's there. Mm. Yeah, so if you've got fucked up shit going on down there, it's going to come out in excess. If you've got sadness down there, boom, it's coming out to get res- resolved. If you've got anger down there, boom, it's going to come out to get resolved, and it doesn't. Yeah. It's pretty common, right? Ex- you see a lot of... Uh, People, when they drink, it's either anger or sadness, crying on the side of the road. Man, alcoholism is a big thing. Mm. Like, in in Australia alone, 80% of domestic violence cases, I was reading this stat just the other day, 80% of domestic violence cases are related to alcohol. Alcohol's a fucking drug, dude. And, like, we promote it, we sing and and dance around the prairie with it. It's like, hey, let's have these drinks, let's fucking party. It's like, well, yeah, cool. How about you give me a needle full of heroin as well while you're at it? Exactly. The amount of times people will <laughs> brag about it and it is more like, people will praise and praise like, yeah, I'm getting shots, getting plastered this weekend. And it people is, oh, man, I was about so it. fucking smash the other yeah. day, man. I got it, just made it back from the toilet bowl on my Sunday. Uh, Fuck, I'm so fucking seedy now on Monday. When it's did like, this become a thing? Yeah, man, I don't know. But alcohol's, look, alcohol's a... A big issue. And like, look, get me right. Like, I'm not a fucking fun Nazi. I'm not saying don't have fun. Like, by all means, have fucking fun. I've partied hard, right? <laughs> I, fuck. I've had some hard experiences on alcohol and other things. Um, but it's like balance, right? Yeah. Time and place. My dad always says it. Todd, time and place, time and place, time and place. Um, that landed me in a dark hole when I was, when I was 18. Um, and this is what brought me here, right? Like, when I was 18, I was fighting and it was my 18th birthday and like – was just drinking all fucking night. I had like mm. five fights that night and I ended up with my face down and I was handcuffed. And like I was I was sitting in custody and yeah, I had like multiple assaults and stuff against my name and all this kind of bullshit that I was charged with. But also I was charged with rape, dude. Wow. Which is fucking heavy. Mm. Like there's no sugarcoating that. Like Not that's one bit. That's heavy, man. 
And like as a man who has very, very strong beliefs about, you know, being physical with women and, and, and kids and stuff like that just because of my own upbringing and, and, and all that kind of bullshit, to be, to be, to be labelled that, even though I didn't mm. do it, to be labelled that hit me hard. See, before I went to prison when I was 18, I got arrested for this rape thing like maybe, I don't know, four weeks before I finally got arrested. And like I wasn't – I was going okay. I was maybe fighting three, two, two to three times a week in the city because I was drinking quite a lot. After I got charged with rape and they let me go and I was just like, fuck – I literally was like, fuck you – and I was fighting and I was drunk every single night and it was just this destructive cycle going mm. down, 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 down until I was in prison again. This time the judge was like, that's it, no bail for you, dude. You're oh. danger, not a chance. And, like, I went through the prison yard and the, and, and, the, and the warden said to me, right, they go, they said to me, they go, oh, you know, you've got this charge on your sheet here Um like, do you want to go to protection? And for those who don't know, in prison you've got mainstream and protection, yeah? Um, I don't think I need to explain those. If I do, then we've got other issues. <laughs> <laughs> mainstream and protection. Um, and I was just like, not a chance, not a damn chance. See, because when I was 17, I was in the boys' yard, you know, we know it's like people that go to the protection are the fucking the dogs. They're the freaking the kitty touches, the rapists, all that kind of bullshit, right? The mm. pedophiles. So there's not a chance I was going to go there. And, you know, I was very proud. I'm still fucking very proud. Sometimes my pride stands in my way and, you know, I've got to check myself even right now. Like, I'm not fucking perfect. I'm far from it. God damn it. I think that's everyone, really. But um, I do my best to make sure my pride doesn't stand in the way of good decisions. Mm. Um, but, yeah, dude, I was just like, no way. I'm not fucking going to protection. Not a chance. And the guard says to me, well, there's a good chance that you're going to get the shit kicked out of you as soon as someone finds out what you're charged with. Mm. So, like, that was on my mind going in the entire time. That's deep. Dude, and like the first night, man, like talk about like this little life kicking you in the face. Like the first night I'm in the big boy's yard, I went to sleep and I got woken up the next day by this banging on my cell. It's like 6.30 a.m. in the morning. It's this bang, 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 bang. And like it's a big wooden door and there's this tiny little um, – window on it and I woke up and I just fucked up mullet back then too I looked like this I looked like a fucking <laughs> scumbag man seriously and um, <laughs> I've gone like looked up you know when you first wake up you got no voice Yeah. I've looked up and I've looked up to this window and there's this this big tattooed face looking in at me right this scary looking dude and I happened to hear the day before that this particular guy was not to be messed with he's like this yeah you know what I mean right the kind of person if you're walking down the street and he's coming down that side you cross the road because you don't want to be on the same side he's not really going to give you a cuddle and a maybe a, I don't an think ice cream. he was coming to say hello <laughs> you know what I mean bringing your pie Dude, apple pie no way man he bangs on the door right and 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 he I look up I'm like and he goes, you, you fucking little cunt. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to smash your fucking face in as soon as these fucking doors unlock. So loud, dude. Every single man in this 50-man cell would have heard this, right? Every single man would have heard this. And, like, I had no voice. And I'm just like, <laughs> and he storms off. And I'm just like, holy fuck, are you serious, man? And once again, it is like it solidified the belief. I'm like, I must be a fucking piece of shit. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't a piece of shit. Man, my self-worth was non-existent. I seriously had no self-worth, I had no confidence. It was false bravado. Like, and that's what's funny. Like when people see me now and they're like, oh my God, you're so confident, you got all this shit. It's like, man, I fucking made this. Mm. Right? Like this took willed mental force 
deciding I want to be more, deciding to step up, deciding to fix my mindset, and then doing things every single day that gave me a powerful mindset. That's why I'm here right now, right? Hardships prepare ordinary people for extraordinary destinies. We all have things that go wrong, right? But the difference between someone that comes out on the other side and, you know, gets their shit together like me and someone that doesn't is that at some point... You need to draw a line in the sand and stop blaming the fucking world for where you are right now. And look, I say this with complete love and respect in my heart because I've been there, right? If you asked me why I was in prison when I was 18, guess what my response would be? What would your response be? The cops got me. Oh, yes, that's it. That would yes. make sense, right? It's- it is someone else's fault that you were there, wasn't it? it yeah, fucking no. It was a person that said that yes, I raped them. That yes. person that bullshitted. Right? Everyone else's fault but me. It's their fault you're drinking. Yes. Their fault you're fighting. Exactly. Yes. So the difference between getting your shit together and getting your mindset right is at some point you have to draw the line in the sand and stop blaming the, the world around you. Stop being a victim. Step up and own your life, mm. ownership, accountability, and responsibility. They are the keys to your success, right? And I had to learn this the hard way. I was in fucking prison facing 10 to 15 years for something I did not do. And it was like, shit, it hit me right in the face. I had all these people around me who had learned their lesson too late, mm. right? I've reflected on this quite a lot. And I think the reason why it hit me so hard was that they'd learned their lesson too late. They were trapped. And I'm like, fuck, do I want me, my life to be that? And it hit me hard. One of the guys, right, he was doing 25 years and he cried one day when he told me that, you know, he's never going to be able to be, you know, a father to his his his, his kids, yeah. right? 25 years and big tears to my eyes wow. right now. Like, like right now I've got fucking tears to my eyes because like I would never want someone else to be raising my son, man. Mm. Like, no, that's not okay. And he, and he broke down. He's just like, I'm never going to be able to be a, a father for my, my girls. Someone else is going to marry my wife to be with the kids, what am I going to do? And it fucking cr- it crushed me, man. And I was just like, holy shit. And I, I just had this moment of fucking insight. I'm like, this is all me, right? This is me. I made the choice. And look, you can backtrack every yeah. single fucking horrific thing that's happened in your life, right? And look, get me right. There are some things that do happen that are completely outlandish, right? Like that you don't create necessarily like you know someone walking through a park and being abused or assaulted you didn't ask for that shit and you know that's that but just because that accident that horrible thing happened Mm. doesn't mean that you can't learn from it doesn't mean you can't grow from it i've coached people that have been assaulted like that i've coached people that have been raped funny enough right Mm. you know with what i was labeled with but i can connect with people man and like a biggest part of coaching is helping someone get past the victim mindset, get beyond the blame and mm. being able to own it in a healthy way. It would be hard seeing yourself as rock bottom and seeing this massive walls in front of you and feeling like there's no way out. Like, that, that, there's that, no rope, no ladder. That's the thing. And, you know, they, I've, like, I've coached now for so, so many years, man, and I've worked with like hundreds of people. And like when I chat to them, like, I chat about my story quite a lot because I was in rock fucking bottom. I was, my life was gone. Right, my life was gone, and like I'm like I got out of it, mm. and it wasn't easy. Right, it was not easy. And here's the thing, right? Like it's not always easy to get out and to fix our life and to get shit on track. 
which is why I think sometimes people get into this whole blaming and entitlement attitude and, you know, being a victim. It's because sometimes that's easier mm. because you get some sort of gratification as people show you sympathy. But like, do, what do you want? Do you want sympathy or do you want to fix your life and have something in your life that's amazing? Good relationships, good health, good, good finances, right? Yeah. Passion, purpose, meaning. Do you want that or do you just want to get sympathy from others? That's right. Some, a lot of people are holding on to their stuff, right? And well, you know, bro, you're a coach too. That's called yeah. secondary gain. It's where the gain from having the problem exceeds mm. the benefits of letting the problem go. Yeah. Like countless times you'll hear someone say, oh, you know, the problem that I've got is too painful to bring up and deal with. Like how many more years are you going to have that problem and hold on to it, you know, allowing that to control what you do with your life? Exactly. Yeah, so it's, just, it's, it's, it's really important that we, we shift that mindset and we, we just go, you have, to, you have to get sick because, you know, when you think about secondary gain, the thing with secondary gain, which I, which I mentioned this before, is that, like, you're actually getting something from your problem, mm. right? And at the end of the day, it's a need, right? You're probably getting a need. Maybe you, you lack certainty in your life. Maybe, you know, maybe you lack connection and love. And, like, when you develop this problem, what happened was you started to be certain that this problem was, was, was making people give you sympathy and connection, right? They're calling mm. you more often. They're, they're checking in on you where before maybe they weren't. Yeah, so if you've got anxiety, <clears throat> depression, things like this. Yeah, some people mm. wear their, their, their problem like a badge of honour. It's like, I'm, that, I'm depressed. Yeah. I'm not making fun of depressed people. Like, I've been there. I've been depressed. I've been anxious. I've been on fucking antidepressants. So like, I'm not making fun of you if you are depressed. What I'm saying is you do not need to be trapped by it, all right? It's like, you know, shit goes wrong and we forget how to be happy. We literally do. It throws us for a curveball. I said this at the start of this, this podcast. And, like, we need to start then to do things that, that kill the negativity in its tracks and then build up empowering positive loops of behavior because those loops of behavior then give you the, the positive biochemistry, right? The dopamine, the endorphins, the serotonin. <clears throat> like you, ex bro, you're PT. Yeah. I did PT when I was younger. Like when you move, when you exercise, you produce endorphins, right? All the feel-good chemicals. Feel -good it's stuff. so much better. Man, and people don't move. Yeah. People are stuck. Like when you don't move and you're not exercising, like everything's stuck. Your energy centers are stuck. The whole thing's stuck and you wonder why you don't feel good. Yeah. What does a depressed person not do? They're not at the gym working out, I guarantee. They're not there. They're not smiling. They're not smiling. You know, when you smile naturally, your body produces dopamine. Yep. Like we, we forget to do these things. Obviously, you know, shit got better um, and I got out. And like, I will sit with this problem. Like this whole podcast is about how do I develop an unstoppable mm. mindset? Well, I've already been pre-teaching this, this topic the entire time. Like, you know me, man, I'm a hypnotist. So I yeah. teach, I teach you stories, right? Teach as you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, man, like I got out and it's funny because when I got out and here's what happened. Yeah. So I was, I was thinking I was in prison for like this in the big boys yard for like eight months from memory, um, something like that. And um, I, I got a I got a letter from the courts. See, I was going. See, my, my, my case went from magistrates to districts, from district court up to supreme court because I wasn't pleading guilty. No fucking way. And like the amount of times, like I'm gonna say this right, the amount of times that I had lawyers tell me that I should plead guilty to try to get a better deal, like it's ridiculous. They would rather me sit in prison and rot for the fucking rest of my life, not for the rest of my life, but you know, five, ten, fifteen years, which is significant. Big chunk. And I'm innocent. 
And they're like, we'll get you a good deal. I'm like, how about you fucking do your job that you're getting paid for and get me out of this situation? Mm. And, like, we spent lots of money on fucking, lots of money that we didn't fucking have, right? Like, it just had to be fabricated somewhere. My poor dad and that, like, man, to pay these fucking lawyers. And they didn't do nothing. Here's what happened, right? I got out because I get a letter eight months in. This woman that goes and made up this bullshit must have started to grow conscience, right? Maybe start to feel a bit guilty, which is a good thing. She goes to the cops and say, oh, it's all a lie, right? I get a letter, comes in, says, um, we've received notification from the complainant um, that it's a lie. We're withdrawing this charge. And then boom, two weeks after that, man, I'm released. Wow. <clears throat> but it's funny because wow. the thing that before that happened, right, like a week before that, um, I had this massive aha moment. I'm sitting in my cell and as I said before, I started saying it, I had this aha moment, like this is me. I'm going to get out. I'm going to fucking make my life better. I don't care how long it takes because I always say this, you know, it gets to a point where we we, we, we get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm. And that was my point there. I'm like, I am fucking sick and tired of being called a freak. I'm sick and tired of proving people right about me. I'm sick and tired of always proving them right when they say that Todd's a fucking schmuck. He fucking is, he's violent. He's a criminal. He's this, he's a druggo, you know, all that bullshit. I was like, I'm not going to prove them right anymore. Mm. I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to get out. I'm going to fucking fix my life. I'm going to build something I can be proud of. And that was my moment of this, of volition, right? That was an empowered decision that I made. Our lives are made from decisions. Yeah. Tony Robbins says this all the time. In like our videos, we have a little tagline that says you're one decision away because it's true. You're one decision yep. away every single time from making something amazing or making something horrendous. It's like you just have to, have to become aware of those decisions, right? <clears throat> and how do you make a good decision? Well, number one, you have to learn how to be in a good state because if you feel bad, then chances are you're going to be more inclined to make a bad decision. Yep. Like have you, watching this right now, have you ever like got angry and then said something to someone that you didn't necessarily mean and then you felt bad about it later? The worst states to make decisions from, the worst states to make important decisions from are negative states. You always need to calm the farm, right? You need to relax, breathe, center yourself. breathing. <clears throat> but yeah, man, like I got out and then I'll sit with this next fucking challenge. It's like, well, well how the damn hell, well, who am I? That mm. was like my moment. Like I'm like, who the damn? And it's funny because, you know, people say, well, fuck, how did I get here right now where I've got all these things? Like I made the decision that it doesn't matter what it takes, I'm going to fix my life. That was the first thing, right? The second thing, see, I dropped out of school in year 10. I hated school. Like I was rarely at school. When I was at school, maybe I was smoking down the back. Like I wasn't there. I was absent. <clears throat> when I got out, I'd, I'd, it, I don't know where it happened, right? But at some point around 18 years old, I had this, this, this obsession growing me for learning. Like I became absolutely obsessed and anything I could read, I would be reading, I'd be listening to things, I'd be anything, man. And I became obsessed. That's how I found NLP. That's how I came across hypnosis. I was obsessed with improving me. I got into sales. Like I was just absolutely obsessed with learning. You could not quench my, my, my thirst. That's the reason why. Mm. Like I knew that the, the, the key to me building the life that I wanted, because I didn't have any mentors, dude. I didn't have any, any people to help me or anything like that. So I'm like, I need to make me better because at least I can rely on myself. And that's what I did. I, I got the skills. How do you make money? Here's how you make money, right? You get skills that are actually valuable skills. You find the right vehicle to invest your time into, and then you take massive action. That's it. That's the reason why, mm. you know, when I was 20 fucking three, we've got a company that's doing, you know, 200, 300, 400 thousand dollars a week. 
in revenue. Try telling that to me when I was 17. I'd fucking punch you in the face and say, you're talking shit. <laughs> Most people would say that. when you. Yeah, man. When, if but, you were to say to someone that they could potentially be doing six figures a week. Mate, not, blankly, right? in the, not in the realm of my awareness back mm. then. I was making fucking like $200 a week. <laughs> I'm making nothing, man. Oh, Jesus, it was horrible. I was just about on Centrelink. <laughs> I never went on Centrelink, though. Funny that, right? I, I walked into Centrelink once. I'm very impatient the best of times. Um, <laughs> I walked into Centrelink when I first got out of jail to go and get this card. So I could say they reimbursed me for my time that I was in prison wrongfully. Yeah, wow. So I had to go get this card from Centrelink. It was horrible. Absolutely horrible. If you're on the dial, you're on Centrelink right now, stop it. Get your shit together. Get some good skills. Find the right vehicle and fucking change your life. Man, you ain't got time to sit around and fucking Centrelink. I did, it, I did it once and I, I never went back. They asked me to come back the following week to kind of sign up. I'm just like, not a chance. No way. I went out and started. It's a lot of time wasted sitting in there. Bro, crazy. But yeah, man, it was an instant. It was an mm. instant. And a lot of people are looking for this fucking magic bullet, this thing that makes them a millionaire overnight that does not happen. Okay? Sometimes it may happen because someone's lucky, right? But chances are if they were lucky and made a shit ton of money really fast, I guarantee that person most likely lost that money just as quick. Because see, (coughs) saw that mindset this episode. (coughs) You have to become aware of what what your money mindset is, right? Your money mindset is very important. Like I was making like a bucket load of money in like when I was like 23, like I went and bought the exotic supercars and all that kind of bullshit. I made a ton of money, but I spent a ton of money, a bucket load of money, man. Mm. I was flying first class everywhere. Like, dude, I would go and I'd, I'd order far, like three or four main meals at dinner every. I never ate at home, dude. I was always eating out. Like, seriously, dude, I spent money because my mindset wasn't right in yeah. regards to my money mindset. Other things were great, like my mindset in regards to like focus and taking action and being positive. That was all there. That's how I made the money. But the other things weren't in line yet. Yeah, what goes up must come down, right? Ooh, doesn't it, man? Hey. Holy shit, talk about a fucking million-dollar lesson. Jesus. <laughs> well, we'll save that for another episode. Yes. But like, But, yeah, man, like where I stand right now, like it, it is a result of all the ups and downs. And, like, you, you, need, to, you need to cherish the, the, the ups – and you need to be grateful for the downs. <clears throat> See, a lot of people today, <clears throat> and this is, um, this is my, my personal belief, I believe that like life chucks things at us to, to mm. cultivate our character, right? And like you'll never grow in regards to who you are and, and what you can do and how you can react and respond to the world unless you put in challenging situations. Challenges. Trigger growth, mm. right? Like I'm here now because I've been through the fucking war, right? And I wouldn't go back and I wouldn't change a thing because like I now have so many, like I, I've got so much resourcefulness inside because of my hard times, yep. right? And it's like if you're going through a tough spot right now, like here's what you need to do, right? Here's what you need to do. You need to get some – you need to get some – um some altitude on your problem, right? You need to be able to look down 
and kind of go, okay, cool. What the fuck is that? How can, what can I learn from this? How can I grow mm. from this? What can I take from this? How can I use this for me instead of against me, right? Like you have to really shift that perspective. And like in itself, this here, this is starting to develop that, that, that powerful, positive mindset, right? That unstoppable mindset. Because see, the difference between a winner and a loser is that when things go wrong, the winner doesn't just throw on the towel and go, oh my God, it, it, this is just so hard. Help me, help me, help me. No, they, 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 they double down, they, they knuckle up and they, they, they put in the work. It's like, yeah, shit's tough right now. How can I get through this, mm. right? Obstacles are great because obstacles mean you're moving towards something. Think about like, like think about the mechanics of, of an obstacle, right? It's like you move, an obstacle means something's in my way. If something's in my way, it means I have to be moving towards something. So you're better off getting excited about the obstacles. 100%. It means you're going somewhere. So congratulations. Yes. If you're sitting on the fence like a fucking hippie just going, yeah, yeah, like you wouldn't have obstacles. Obstacles are good. Use them for growth, right? Be resourceful. Don't be a whinger. Stop complaining. Like this is the mm. mindset, right? Like, you know, man, like fuck, everyone that's attended these events, they know I'm, I'm straight down the yep. line. I'll call you out on your bullshit. That's what a good coach does. Like I'm not here to, I'm not here to, to, to I guess, you know, I'm not here to, I guess, um, to, to, to fall into the, the narrative that people have about mm. their problems, right? Like I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to reward people's narrative. I'm not going to reward their delusions, it's like, no, it's fucking bullshit. Come on, this is you. Pull your head in and let's, let's make this happen. And each time that you have that discipline, each time that you, you push through the hard times and you don't blame and you just own that shit and you fucking you progress, that step, that, 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 that comes into your character, right? And, like, the, the whole thing is, right, you want to be, be this. And here's a thought, right? Here's, here's something to think. I want to wrap this kind of thing up because it's gone a bit long. I'm going to give you a couple of tips that you can take away straight away, and then we're going to wrap this up. But here's a thought to think about. In regards to your character, you should strive to be the strongest person at your father's funeral, mm. strongest person at your mother's funeral. Think about that. Think, I'm not going to unpack that right now, but do you as a listener, you as a watcher, just think about that, right? Think about what that means in regards to who you are and your character. So here's how you can start to develop a power of mindset, right? <laughs> here's the how. So the first thing that you need to do is you need to be able to, to calm everything down. So when I wake up in the morning, here's what I do. Your morning routine is something that's going to set you up for success or it's going to set you up for failure. Our days are not, our days are not these random things, yeah? Our days are made. Yeah. So every day I wake up and this became a little bit more challenging when I had my son because he still sleeps in the fucking bed with us. But like I do my best. I like roll out of bed, try not to wake him up. But as soon as I wake up, and I am to wake up between 4 a.m. and 5 a.m. every single day, <clears throat> that I'm awake and I can do things before I need to go and you know, get amongst my normal daily activities. But um, I get up and I do an awareness exercise. I just feel what's going on, right? There's no judgment, right? I'm not, one, I'm not one of those toxic, positive people, right? That are always like, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Like, shut the fuck up, man. Hallelujah. You're talking shit. <laughs> like that, that's, it's not sustainable, right? Because you're not always supposed to be happy. That's unrealistic expectation. It goes up and down like an elevator. <laughs> so like, you just be aware and I be aware. And if I'm not feeling good, I'll feel it. I accept it. I own it. I'm like, cool. I got a bit of stress there. What's going on? I'm curious. And that curiosity tends to, tends to take me to something that I then learn from. I get some sort of like little nugget from. And then as soon as I've like kind of looked at that thing that's creating the stress or the tension or the whatever, the tension disappears. Mm -hmm. So that's the purpose. And 
that's the purpose of the awareness exercise. And it's interesting because the natural progression from getting that little resolution on something that might be having you feeling tense or stressed or whatever is that you then, it's very easy to feel grateful, right? So that's naturally where my mind goes. And then I just let myself, and I started doing this when I was in prison. One of the other prisoners kind of gave me these strategies. I then be grateful for three things and I write them down. And every single day it's three different things, okay? You don't want to recycle. Otherwise, you know, it's like, fuck, I've only got three good things in my life. It's quite powerful that, isn't it? Yeah, no recycling. Every single day find something new to be grateful for. The reason Mm. why that's powerful is because it adjusts your focus. It trains your brain to be the kind of brain that focuses on good things and finds good things instead of instead mm. of things that are wrong. Once again, this is giving you an unstoppable mindset. Naturally finding the positives and the solutions instead of naturally going towards the negatives. Yeah. You train your brain. After that, you then need to make sure you're you're giving your brain the right input. Step two, input. <coughs> so you have to make sure your input's right. A lot of people, they have a lot of negativity. There's so much negativity out there, right? Like so you're going you're gonna to scroll through social media and it's just like this fire, that person died, you know, all this stuff. Then the world's ending. Mm. And if that's all you're consuming every single day, then you're priming your brain to be negative. So you have to switch that. If you want to change your output, which is your behavior, you need to change your input, which is what you consume. So you need to listen to empowering podcasts, right? People that tell you, you can do it. You can step up. You can make your life what you want it to be. Instead of people that fucking tear you down, right? Yeah. You need to watch things that are empowering, that are motivating. Listen to podcasts, listen to audio books, read. Jeez, 10 pages a day of a good book. 12 months from now, your life will be different, I guarantee. Mini habit. Right, so you change the input, that changes the output naturally. Shifts your mindset, right? It's neuroplasticity, your brain changes. And then step number three, so we can quickly wrap this up because we go longer than we wanted to. You then need to do focused visualization, right? Focused visualization. And here's, here's, here's my formula, right? OPS, outcome, pathway, success. So you want to, after you've changed the input, you've like this is how I do it, right? I go for a run or I, I chuck on my headphones and I just pump myself up with like a motivational audio. That jacks up my emotions, right? I feel excited, I feel passionate and all that kind of good stuff. And then at some point I start to visualize my day. I visualize my week, outcome, pathway, success. I see the outcome that I want to achieve. I see all the things in between, pathway that I need to do to get them done. And then boom, I visualize the success. And I loop that like three, four, five times per thing that I visualize. Mm. And what happens is the emotion connects to it. It, it. it stimulates a reticular activating system, the part of your brain that governs your focus. And when that emotion attaches to that thing that you're visualizing, it's like saying to your unconscious mind, hey, 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 this thing's important. Notice more things that are going to help me get it. And once again, you do this every single day, I guarantee 21 days, your mind's going to shift. 12 months from now, you will not recognize the person that you've grown into. But anyway, mate, let's kind of wrap this fucking podcast up. It's gone way too long. Yeah. Do you think you ever want to, you want to add to it at all? No, not really. So basically what you've said is um, be aware of where you're at, <clears throat> where you're at, if that's rock bottom, if that's where you want to be. Um, know what you want at the end of the day. Know what your desires are. Find a pathway to get there. Ask enough great questions to get a great answer, right? 100%, yeah. Mm. Anyway, look, this is uh, the first podcast. I hope that, number one, the video's gone the whole time. The battery might have died. I hope the audio's been working. But anyway, this is the first one, how to create an unstoppable mindset. Stay tuned for the next one next week where we'll talk about something. Don't know what it is yet, but I'm sure it'll be great. Anyway, take care, guys. Thank you so much. Mm.